0: Get started with Greenlight today and get your first month free at greenlight.com slash odyssey. This podcast is intended for mature audiences only. This is a Vault Studios production.
1: On July 14th, 2017, Nanette Krentil was found dead inside a burned out house. It was packed with video surveillance, multiple camera systems, set up to monitor activity all around the property. And even a locked gate at the driveway entrance with cameras pointed at anyone trying to get inside. Could any of these cameras have captured someone on the rental property that day? Someone who wasn't
2: supposed to be there? Wasn't it that paranoid? No, absolutely not. For WWL-TV and Vault Studios,
1: I'm Katie Moore. This is Beyond Bardstown, La home. Out, the fire on that July afternoon damaged the DVR used to capture surveillance within the Krentel's property. And it was no accident. The DVR had been doused with accelerant. As for the other set of cameras on the Krentel's front gate, Steve Krentel said they were connected to the internet with a device called a MiFi. But he also said those cameras frequently stopped working.
3: He said that the day before Nanette died, The cameras, the Wi-Fi had stopped working. That was kind of a common occurrence out there in the the kind of rural part of the parish where they lived.
1: This is Sarah Pagonis, a reporter for the Times-Picayune New Orleans Advocate. We've worked on a lot of investigations together, including the Krentel case. In a crowded coffee shop, Sarah and I trade information, what we know and what we don't know. Sarah says the video of the front gate wasn't working that day. And Nanette had even asked Steve to fix it leading up to the fire. She wanted him to um,
3: reboot it. He got home late from a parish council meeting that Thursday night where there was some discussion about consolidating fire departments. All the fire chiefs were there. It was pretty pretty um, hot meetings. They were uh, angry about the idea.
1: Apparently, Steve got home late from the meeting and didn't stop to reboot the internet before heading to bed. That was the night before the fire all those cameras, all that surveillance, and potentially not a shred of video evidence. The great irony here is the reason the Krentals had cameras set up was to help Nanette feel safe. It was no secret that she had an uneasy relationship with some of Steve's family members. Like Steve's son, her stepson, Justin, who was living in another state the day of the fire. She tried, But over the years, things had just gotten worse. In March 2016, Nanette emailed her father, Dan Watson, her feelings about Justin. Quote, Justin is spiraling. He's another one I feel better knowing where he is. And then there was Brian, Steve's brother. Nanette's distrust stretched back years, years of Brian Krentel getting into trouble with the law years of Nanette telling her dad, her sisters, and even her friend Lori Rando about her fear of Brian. In March 2017, a few months before she died, Nanette texted her sister Kim Watson, quote, he threatened to set the house on fire, rape me, kill us. A month later in April, she emailed her dad about visiting her mother-in-law's home where Brian was living. Quote, Steve and I had a long talk and I said I felt we were being placed in danger every time we go there and the criminals he hangs out with are plain dangerous and there is no way to know what they're capable of but I base my decisions on facts and history of them and of Brian. On May 15th, 2017 just two months before the fire Nanette emailed her dad again quote Steve is in a hard place and I get it but ignoring the facts do not change them, and Brian is capable of anything. And Nanette's fear led Steve Krentil to install the cameras, buy guns, and turn the house into a zone of safety, where Nanette could feel walled off from any perceived outside threats. Real or not, Nanette clearly felt like her life was in danger, and she was holding herself up in that house like a fortress. I don't think that's an unfair assessment.
3: I don't think so either, and I don't think anybody who's familiar with
1: the situation would disagree with it. Mm -hmm. Now, Steve seemed to be um, somewhat backpedaling on that.
3: He has acknowledged that she was afraid. He's also said that he kind of... Found it easier to go along with her fears and put things in to make her feel safe than to argue about it. He also struck me as someone who was very much caught between a mom and a wife um, in dealing with their his how he was handling his brother.
1: But with her guns, Nanette felt safe at home. Her sister Kim Watson.
4: She she practiced target shooting, and so she she felt comfortable. She felt like. You know, I got this. I can protect myself. You guys don't don't have to don't be afraid for me. I'm I'm fine.
1: But on occasion, even in the months leading up to her death, strange things would happen at the rental home. At least according to Nanette,
4: she screenshotted the security camera pictures, and Steve told us it was a neighbor. So it's just a just a guy in a red shirt. And she said it just startled her because you know she'd have to pull up to the gate and then open it before she could go in and went out to get the mail outside of the gate and he just startled her because he he just appeared out of nowhere. And she said when he, she went in the gate, he was kind of like trying to look in and she thought, what in the heck is this guy doing?
1: But it turns out it was a neighbor.
4: That's what Steve said. I, I have no idea who he was. She said there was one day when cops came just screaming down up to her gate. And she has a picture of that, too. She screenshot sent to dad of cop cars out there. And then they just drove away. (laughs) She thought, "Okay, what's happening outside my house? She always wanted to know. She's like, I never did find out what was happening that day. Nanette's
1: father, Dan Watson, recalls similar stories she told him over the years.
5: There were times she would drive to Walmart and on the way back she was being followed by uh, a red or a maroon vehicle. There was two sheriff's deputies vehicles that went basically racing up to their driveway and slammed on their brakes and stopped, scared her. But they never said what they were doing there. And, they, and Steve of course said he'd find out and never did.
1: Nanette's close friend, Lori Rando, says over the years, her gun collection grew along with her fear.
2: I know Nanette had gotten to a point, um, and this was, you know, years before her death. Um, she had gotten to a point where anytime um, she went anywhere in her car, she had one in her car. And then it went from having one in her car to having one in her purse and her car. And then it went from having one in her purse and her car and then in the nightstand. So, um, you know, I think um, she knew things that were going on that she was not necessarily um, letting me or possibly other, um, you know, loved ones know Um exactly what was going on in her life, but it had to have been getting bad if she felt the need to be able to have a gun no matter where she was. But the Springfield in
1: her purse didn't keep Nanette from telling Lori Rando about Steve's brother, Brian. And over the years, Lori heard a lot about Brian Krentel and how over time, Nanette's distrust transformed into something darker, more treacherous.
2: She was very uncomfortable um, with Brian. She was definitely not his fan. Um, She didn't want him around the house. She didn't even want to go to lunch or any kind of outings with his family, um, with him, because she was extremely uncomfortable. He had made threats to both um, her and Steve. Um, on different things that he would do to them because of different events that had happened. Uh, They had been called out one night because Brian's truck had gotten um, stuck in a ditch and um, he needed help getting it out. And um, he couldn't afford to... You know, get arrested, and so he was hoping that Steve would be able to pull his car out of the ditch and and not have any you know anybody involved. But unfortunately, um, either a police were called or a police happened to be driving by, and um, so he did get arrested, and he did blame Nanette and Steve for uh, his getting arrested, and um, held a, a grudge towards them.
1: How do you know that? How, how do you know that? This was holding
2: a what was she telling you? Um, she told me that uh, he had been um, threatening both her and Steve. Um, she would get letters um, from him threatening her. Um, I, I can't remember the amount of time that he did spend in jail, um, but at some point he was um, getting early released and um, she had called the prison where he was located and Asked them, pleaded with them not to let him out of jail. Um, that she was, she was scared of him and what he might do to her and and her family. Um, she, he had to wear a an ankle monitor. That Nanette was under the impression was a um, had a a range that if he were to get within so many feet of the house, that it would go off, and police would be alerted, and he would be picked up. Um, And unfortunately, the the perception was false. That was not what the ankle monitor actually was doing.
1: In fact, the monitor was an alcohol-sensing ankle bracelet. Steve Crennell later recorded a conversation with Brian's probation officer in which the officer admits the GPS tracking function was never turned on.
2: Until the day she died, she thought that that ankle monitor was monitored through the police department. And if it came within a thousand feet of her house, that it would go off.
1: Did she tell you what he said in the threats? Did, Did she mention anything specific?
2: I was told, um, that he was going to, um, to rape her, um, and to burn, burn their house down. And
1: that told you that?
2: Um, in, in, yes, yes. In an, in an email, not directly.
1: Okay. So she told you, she emailed you about that as well as other members of the family?
2: Correct. Correct.
1: Um, and what, obviously, well, what did you think about that?
2: Um, you know i was uh, I was scared for her obviously um, I would hope um, knowing Steve that he would you know want to protect his wife, um, even if it was his brother um as comfortable as uncomfortable as Brian made her feel you know I was hoping that Steve would step up and um you know do everything he could to make sure that um their paths didn't cross. Um, He did um, put some extra security around the house. He put extra cameras up. So like a lock wasn't even enough. There was a board that slid down to lock the back door as well as a normal um, lock. Um, So, you know, they did this thing. Plus, you know, she thought that she had the protection of of the ankle monitor.
0: Get your first month free at greenlight.com slash odyssey. That's greenlight.com slash odyssey. Like other
1: friends and family who Nanette would confide in, Lori says Brian was the main source of her fear. But her stepson, Justin, was a close
2: second. You know, when I first got back, when we first got back into each other's lives, um, I had gone out to the property and um, spent a day with her and Steve and Justin, and it really was a great day. Um, we had gone four-wheeling around the property. Um, they had a um, a creek that goes in the back of the property, and they had um, bottles set up where um, they took me and we did some uh, target practice on the, The bottles, because I had never touched a gun in my life, and um, they were making fun of me because I would take these shotguns and you know put it on my shoulder, and it would completely kick me backwards. And they just thought that was the funniest thing. And um, you know we just had a really, really great day. It was a really wonderful day. Um, You know, and everybody everybody seemed to get along. Everybody you know seemed like you know we were having a great time. Fast forward a couple of years and Justin, you know, got a little bit older and she felt got, you know, a little bit more irresponsible as far as, um, you know, didn't take school very seriously. Um, he joined the military. He didn't really take that very seriously um, and just got more and more uncomfortable um, with him being around, especially if Steve wasn't. Um, she didn't like the fact um, that he, you know, had guns and didn't want him to be around the house, especially if Steve was not there, um, you know, in case he did have a gun on him. Um, so she did tell me uh, towards the end that he was not allowed at the house unless Steve was there um, with her.
1: Was not that paranoid?
2: No, absolutely not. Nanette was extremely um, level-headed. She was extremely, um, extremely smart. Um, she she could read people very well. She knew if somebody was, you know, genuine within the first few minutes of meeting them. And uh, she spent a lot of time with Justin. And I know um, she is a good... Um, person to be able to read character and the more she would tell me about him I would become uncomfortable you know for her um just not wanting her to to be alone um with him she didn't like how he you know treated animals and that's a big thing with Nanette don't mess with animals hers or anybody else's um and so you know it was just things like that that made her uncomfortable and didn't want her um didn't want to be alone with him
1: Nanette's sister, Kim Watson, and her boyfriend, Randy, also heard about Nanette's fear and Brian's alleged threats over the years. The stress was clearly having an impact on her marriage.
4: What she told me, if he doesn't start protecting me from Brian and his family, that I'm kicking him out. She said divorce to dad. And what he asked her, well, what is it you want? She said, I want someone who's going to protect me. And I don't know why, it seems like all the emails that we've gave that were hers, gave them to law enforcement, it's just like, it just feels like no one's reading them or they're just blowing her off as crazy. And she, I wish she wasn't, she was afraid. So when you talked to her, you got that definite impression that it wasn't? She said, things are coming to a head. Um, it's, it, if it stays crazy, you know, I may come up and visit because I said, hey, you know, come up here and visit, bring your pets, come up here and stay with us till, till it's safe. Did you,
1: I mean, something that struck me when I was looking at your timeline is the fact that she was talking about feeling threatened from Brian starting in, like, 2011. Mm
5: Mm-hmm.
4: That's,
1: you know, six years, five years before
4: And I don't know when. She died, so for five years. Yeah. He (laughs) sat in front of us at the funeral. And I'm like, Dad, because I didn't know a lot about him. I never met him. Steve called him the idiot. So anything Steve said was not contrary to what Nanette told us about him. So I'm looking at him and the ankle monitor he's wearing and his complete lack of interest at even being at the funeral, like he was just bored. And I thought, oh, wish I could talk to him. Mm-hmm. Have you talked to him? No. Why not? Uh, No one knows where to find him. Who? No one. Brian. Brian, no. Over the years,
1: Nanette's dad, Dan Watson in Iowa, heard as much as anyone about her fear and anxiety. Regular emails and texts and phone calls from Nanette told story after story about the ongoing tension with Steve's brother, Brian, and their mom, Maureen.
5: Things all changed when Brian got out of prison for the worse, much worse. Um, Justin moved away to Virginia with the military, and then Brian was out of prison, and that's where, when he made those comments about raping, shooting, burning her, Steve went out and bought several guns, and they began practicing regularly. He put in the cameras, new cameras. He installed new locks. He put in cameras at, Steve put in cameras at his parents' house um, because he believed their safety was in jeopardy with Brian living there. Marine wanted Brian home. Herman, Steve's father, did not, but his, Physical condition um, was very poor, and Marine just overrode him. So, in January of 2017, Herman passed away. And I had been told, you know, that Brian and Steve got into a fist fight in the hospital over something. I don't recall what it was anymore, but Steve had gotten a cut. Uh, in the fight, and I don't know. It was just—it was just like evaporated after that. It's like, well, what happens? Mm-hmm. It didn't seem like there was any repercussions for anybody. Mm-hmm.
1: Dan tells me another story about Brian at his father's funeral in early 2017, just six months before Nanette died.
5: Nan went up during Herman's funeral and and read some some things about Herman that were very positive. And she had told Steve she did not want Brian anywhere near her. Brian came up to the area, the podium, where Nan was. Nan was frightened and angry because Steve did not do anything. And prior to Herman's death, he told Nanette, stay away from Brian. He's dangerous. And she told Steve, and of course, again, it, it nothing seemed to be done about it. But they both did a lot of target practice after that.
1: Mm-hmm. Dan says things could get heated when Nanette and Steve went to visit Steve's mother. Brian was usually there.
5: I remember on one of the last visits that Nan, Nan made with Steve to Marines. In fact, it was the last visit. Brian went up to her and said, oh, you know what happens to jaybirds, don't we? they talk too much and then they get killed. Nan was so stressed by it because Steve had left to go eat with some other people. So he left her alone, which she had asked him not to do. And Harley was with her. And Harley urinated on her. In response to her stress, she said, And Maureen was continually trying to get Nan to give Harley to Brian so he could pet him, and Nan didn't trust Brian at all, and she refused. And so when Steve got back, she told him, take me home, I'm not going back there again. You can visit your mom all you want, or we can go to a neutral site at a restaurant But I am not going to the house where Brian is again.
1: Dan says things were ramped up after that visit, with Nanette refusing to visit Steve's mother again when Brian was anywhere nearby. And Dan said she should just get out of Lacombe to come visit him in Iowa. But Nanette would just tell him what he'd heard numerous times before.
5: As long as I have my guns and the cameras and I'm at home, I'm safe. And she would say that, and it's like well, why don't you just come up for a little visit? Mm -hmm. It was only later I began to realize how much influence Steve had over her schedule.
1: And then a few weeks before the fire, as tensions seemed to be mounting almost daily, Dan says his daughter told him something new, this time about Steve.
5: We were talking and she said, Steve wanted to go camping. And she told him no. And she said, I don't trust him anymore. She said, I will not get in a car with him. Well.
1: Did she say why?
5: Specifically? No. no. Well, the overriding theme was, he will not protect me. She wanted to be with somebody who would protect her. For some reason, Steve was not doing it. He was just leaving her like with Brian at his mother's. He just wasn't helping her out emotionally or physically through this difficult time, which ended up with her saying she wouldn't go anywhere with him. But she still continued to say, I have my guns, I am home, I have the cameras, and I'm at home and I'm safe.
1: Dan says Nanette told him the Friday before the fire that she planned to have a long talk with Steve to try to figure out what to do next.
5: We were just, you know, kind of hopeful, you know, that he would would listen to her. She seemed pretty optimistic. Mm-hmm. But that's Nan. She always seemed that way. And then I didn't hear from her again. And, it's, and the Monday came, and she didn't call. And I kept thinking I should call her, and I thought, well, maybe her and Steve did reach some kind of... Uh, agreement with their marriage and so forth, because she had said she was going to kick him out if he didn't. She didn't say she was leaving him. She always said she was kicking him out.
1: But Nanette never got a chance to do that. One week after telling her dad she was going to have that talk with her husband, Steve, Nanette Crentel's remains were removed from the burning embers of her Lacombe, Louisiana home. Back in the coffee shop with my friend and newspaper reporter Sarah Pagonis, we talk about Brian Krentel and Nanette's fear. What do you think about the threats? I don't know that I have ever seen the emails that
3: were sent to Nanette from Brian.
1: Um, I, I'm aware. So she didn't. She didn't get an email from him. She yeah. got two birthday cards, right? And then just through conversations, she felt threatened. That's she, true. That's true.
3: So um, the, the birthday cards seemed a little. Um, the, at least the one that Steve told us about, that was to him, expressed anger, and he said that that Brian blamed the two of them for him being put back back in jail I think for probation violation Mm -hmm. so he was he he blamed them for his being incarcerated Mm
1: -hmm. I read to Sarah some of the text messages that Nanette sent to family members over the years both of us trying to get a handle on Nanette's frame of mind and how Steve's brother Brian seemed to overshadow the final years of her life so this is um one of the text messages that Kim received from Nanette She says, I've had enough. He physically hit an officer while driving drunk and has a reputation. So if calls go out, multiple units respond. I told his mom he's gonna hurt someone innocent and that's on you. She told me I was acting like a Mother Teresa and family is family. I said, I've made plenty of mistakes, but none like that. She said his parole officer is mean to him. I told her they are used to the manipulating lying behavior and that she said he wants to get a room for a night with a girl. I said, you mean a prostitute because no woman will want to touch him. He's living with his mom, no job, steals from her, churches, anyone he can, looks awful, smells awful. And she said I was being crazy. I said, I hope I will never change my mind on this. Now we just wait and hopefully catch him or he ODs. Sounds harsh, but it's not going to end well. But I'm staying alert. Staying alert.
3: So so she's like expecting him to have some big problem, either killing somebody. Um, she doesn't come right out and say it in that email. But when she says she's staying alert, clearly she feels like
1: she's under threat from him. Right. And that other people should be too. So six months before this happened, Steve's dad died. That's right. And six months to the day, there was an an exchange between her and Brian at the funeral. Other people, Steve has categorized that conversation as not threatening. But Nanette reached out to her family members in Iowa and told them that she felt like he threatened her even while she was speaking at the funeral, saying nice things about the When she was eulogizing the dad? Yes. Um, She says she was thankful she didn't say the F word. He was right next to me on the altar. He said he will kill us and be on the news. I was thankful I did not say the F word on the mic because I do if I'm startled. He just stood there, I didn't take my eyes off of him but could see Steve and his cousins making their way up. He scared me because I thought he was going to kill me here and I was angry that he made made it up there and I didn't see him.
3: Made it up to the diet. Yeah.
1: She's really being delusional.
3: Um, well, that is a that is specific statement from Nanette that he, Brian, said he was going to kill
1: them. Correct. So that's that's in black and white. Right. I then share with Sarah what Nanette claimed Brian threatened to do. Again, these are Nanette's own words here in a text to her sister, Kim. He threatened to set the house on fire, rape me, and kill us. So there we have
3: the the most specific and most disturbing threat as expressed by Nanette to her sister Kim. Right. That's the only reference to rape her, shoot her, burn her body. And these are
1: text messages that the family has made available to the investigators. In Absolutely. The Absolutely. So you might be wondering, where was Brian Crentel the day of the fire? Investigators say he has an alibi and we'll get to that. But even still, since I first heard about this case and Nanette Krentel, I've wanted to ask Brian some questions, and I've tried. Hi, my name is Katie Moore, and I'm a reporter with WWL-TV. I'm actually trying to get a hold of Brian Krentel. I'm working on a story about Nanette, and I have some pretty important questions that I I would really like to kind of hear your thoughts on. I'm still waiting to hear back from him. There's a face staring back at me, and I don't like what I see. Next time on Beyond Town, look home. He went off on people's
4: phones. I have a flip phone at that time, so I didn't didn't get it. But a lot of people's phones started going off at the end of her memorial. I mean, how quickly do you normally find out about that in St.
1: Tammany?
3: Mm. Sometimes not until like the, the day later.
1: This was an entire week later. The Beyond Bardstown, La a is a Vault Studios and me. WWL TV production. You can learn more about our podcasts, including The Daily Crime and True Crime Chronicles, at vaultstudios.com. Special thanks to WWL TV News Director Keith Esperos and Visual Journalist Derek Waldrop vault studios executive producers are brian weiss and will johnson reed Redman is our writer and producer richard humphreys at tacoma media in silver spring maryland mixes and edits the show for vault studios i'm katie moore